Very emotional night at the Bell Center as the Montreal Canadiens pay tribute to one of the greats before the game, Guy Lafleur. A lot of tears were shed in the Bell Center last night. A lot of tears were shed and will continue to be shed by our next guest, who has been one of Guy Lafleur's very best friends for over 45 years. You're going to hear a lot of stories today on the Sick Podcast that you probably haven't heard anywhere else. Yves Tremblay, former Habs PR, 77, 78, and 79. He was part of those three Stanley Cup teams, developed a huge friendship with Guy Lafleur, and was his confidant for once again over 45 years. He joins us next on the Sick Podcast. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadiens win the Stanley Cup. Sports entertainment like no other. Brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. It is the Sick Podcast, and it's brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense, like Gila Fleur, by nature, like Gila Fleur, the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions the way the flower did in order to make his mark. And Lacage, if the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you go back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. Uh, I've thought of a lot of people over the past couple of days, and uh, it took a while to track him down, but finally I did. He met Guy Lafleur about 46 years ago, and they've been best friends ever since. Yves Tremblay, thank you for doing this. Merci beaucoup. Hi, Tony. A couple of days later, um, he passed Friday morning, late Friday night, early Friday morning. Pardon me, late Thursday night, early Friday morning, give or take at around 1.30 a.m. Here we are on Monday afternoon, and uh, it's still very difficult, isn't it? It is. It is, Tony. Uh, Friday morning, 6.05 in the morning, I opened my phone uh, after I, I woke up, and uh, there's a, a guy on uh, from the... Energy, the 90, 94.5, I think, the radio station. They called me and they said they had the uh, a post from Mark Lafleur. And they wanted to know, they said, sorry, Mr. Trombley, we just uh, we just received a post on Facebook from uh, Guy Lafleur's son, but we don't know if this post is real mm -hmm. or being hacked. And I said, send it to me. So they sent it to me, and I said, it was written. <clears throat> Radio Energy at Montreal, I believe, is ninety four point three. But yes, okay. yeah. it was yeah. it was uh, uh, written something really nice. Thank you, Dad, for uh, and he, he used to call Guy Dad and his mother Mom. So I I was sure it wasn't. So uh, I answered the journalist. I said it's really Mark. And suddenly, ten minutes after, it was all over the 
all over the media and uh, it didn't stop since. And yeah. I, I receive how many uh, posts, the tweets, uh, all the media called me and uh, it's really tough to win. It's really tough. Yeah. I brought, I brought him back in New York in 1988. He didn't even know that he was coming back. He was like uh, my brother. Yeah. We're going to talk about when he returned with the Rangers in just a second, because I know that, uh, you sorry, were, I'm sorry, Tony. Eh? No, that you it's don't have to know that the interview. Uh, you, you, you don't, sometimes. you don't, hey, listen, you don't have to be sorry. Um, I've been, I've been very emotional since I heard that he stopped the medication, which was back in the month of January. And so we knew that he was on, uh, uh, it was going to be a question of time. Um, uh, I've been pretty emotional myself. So, you know, I've said this before, but my first memory in hockey born in 1972, I was six and a half years old. And I remember my dad, a big Canadians fan who came here from Italy in 67, quickly fell in love with the Montreal Canadians. Uh, he still talks about the Stanley Cup in 1971. And then Lafleur was drafted after that cup first overall. Lafleur won his first cup with the Canadians in 73. And then, of course, thereafter, 76, 77, 78, 79. Those were his five cups. And I still remember the 79 goal versus the Bruins like it was yesterday because all I remember was being in the house. My dad was watching hockey and he let out a big scream of joy, of course, when Lafleur tied the game. So that's my first moment in hockey. I remember that and I became very attached ever since. I had the poster of Guy getting changed in the dressing room. Um, he didn't have his jersey on. He was tying his skates. I had that poster taped to my wall. Uh, I had a Montreal Canadiens t-shirt. My father was a tailor by trade, so he sewed the number 10 on it for me. But he gave me the love for the Montreal Canadiens, the love for hockey. And I've been working in the media for the last 20 years. So uh, I believe that... Um, He's responsible for me choosing to do what I do in my life. And um, so uh, I feel I lost someone very important to me. And uh, for me, the, the, the thing that makes me most sad, uh, I mean, everything makes me sad, but for me, Guy Lafleur was Montreal. So I found like my city, a part of my city died when he passed away. And uh, ça, ça fait beaucoup de peine. This, uh, this hurts me a lot. And we're talking about a great man, which I know that you have so many stories. I'm hoping I can get a lot of them out of you today. But you first met Guy Lafleur about 46, 45, 46 years ago, correct? Yeah, exactly. So you were, you were hired by the Montreal Canadiens to do PR? Yeah, I was. Uh, I paid my studies uh, at McGill. Uh, being a, a sport writer for the the French Sport Illustrated, Sport Illustrated in Quebec, and uh, I, I I was 19 when I met Guy for the first time in an interview, and uh, suddenly I graduated from Miguel, and uh, uh, Claude Mouton and Jean Bilibo hired me for a big eleven eleven thousand dollars a year. Mm -hmm. We were working about 80, 80 between eighty and ninety uh, uh, hours a, a week. And uh, I, my timing was, I mean, I thank God for that. My timing was great because uh, at that time, we didn't have, we, did, we were not wondering if the Canadians would won the Stanley Cup. We, want, we were uh, wondering how many games it would take to win the Stanley Cup. I was really lucky to meet all those guys. They were not corporation on skates at that time. 
Et, I mean, even when we search about Larry Robinson, uh, Pierre Bouchard, and Guy, and Guy Lapointe, and those guys were, were, those guys were real, and real human beings. And uh, they adopted me, because uh, they were maybe two, three, five, ten years older than me, and they adopted me, and I kept, I stayed friends with them, mm-hmm. especially Guy. Uh, and uh, we did, yeah, and I would develop more and more through the years this friendship, friend, friendship. And uh, I mean, we had confidence uh, in each other. And uh, I was, uh, without him talking to me, I, I, I used to know what he was thinking. And the same thing, it was reciproc- reciprocal, reciprocal yeah. between the two of us. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, he understood me, and I understand him, and. That's why we had a we we had a, a, a nice nice chemistry between the two of us. Sorry, how long, I, how, I have problems to find my words. No, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Lately, so do I. Um, how long did you work for the Canadians? Three years, 77, 78, 79, with under Mister Pollock for Claude Mouton and Jean Bilibo. Uh Jean was a great boss, and uh, but I was doing marketing at that time. I was traveling. I, I was even taking care of the junior team at that time. And uh, I stayed there for three years, three Stanley Cup. I was lucky for that. Wow. And Mr. Grunman decided that I had to be fired because he had to get his son involved. So he hired his son, his son. Oh, wow. <laughs> that so that's, that's life. Yeah. That's life. But I, I mean, uh, it's funny because when Mr. Grunman, after three years, and uh, fired me, it was, I will always remember that, Tony. It was a Saturday morning. I decided to take the Saturday morning to take my stuff out of my office. And I I was on the corner. It was the old forum. I was on the corner of uh, Atwater and, and the Maisonneuve. I looked at the forum. I said, one of these days, you're going to hear from me. And it's funny because 10 years after, I was bringing Guy Lafleur back in the New York Rangers. And wow. he scored two goals and one assist against Patrick Arroyo. Life wow. is funny. Life is funny sometimes too. Before, yes, you're right. But before he became a New York Ranger, he retired from hockey for the first time with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, look, uh, I'm gonna say it. Okay. Um, over the past couple of days, I had a chance to speak with a lot of people. Um, his friend and one of his advisors, Danny Cape, the great Ivan Cournoyer the great Serge Savard, um, the great Guy Carboneau. Uh, I spoke with uh, former Habs athletic therapist, uh, Gaetan Lefebvre, to Gates. I know Gaetan. Yeah. Uh, I spoke with uh, Liam McGuire, who's like the uh, prominent hockey trivia guy in the world, uh, who's a huge, huge fan as well uh, of Guy Lafleur and of the Montreal Canadiens. I spoke with Yvonne Lambert. I did not speak reach out to Jacques Lemaire and I did not reach out to Ronald Corey <clears throat> and and I'm going to tell you why maybe one day I'll talk to them and I've talked to both of them in the past um, but at a time when I'm mourning Guy Lafleur I chose not to because um, although Jacques and Guy and Steve Schutt had great moments together on a line when they played um, Jacques as a coach um, didn't want Guy Lafleur on his team. People can say what they want. He didn't want him. He he didn't see him in the top two lines, so he didn't think he was a checker, and he didn't think he was a shutdown guy, and 
Guy had a heart-to-heart with him, and he promised Guy that he was going to play him power play, shorthanded, regular shift, all that stuff. And I think he played him like six minutes, and and that's when Guy said, you know what, called his retirement. Ronald Corey um, was okay with it and uh, then announced that Guy Lafleur would work for the Montreal Canadiens, which he did at one point, and then Ronald Corey fired him. So um, Jacques Lemaire as a coach and Ronald Corey as the president hurt Guy Lafleur very much. Did they not? He had a tough, a real tough time. It was a sad period of Guy's life. And he always told me, Eve, they had me lose five years of my career and of my life. Wow. So once you moved on and that you were let go by Irving Gredman and the new administration, uh, you and Guy kept in touch at that point, even? Always, were, always, always, always. always. And uh, give me an idea of how, how how many times you guys would talk per day, per week. It was regular. I mean, we had projects. I mean, well, I'm a, I'm a former marketing man. I'm a natural marketing man, I should say. So I had a lot of ideas for Guy, and uh, we went. We used to go for dinner with Guy Lapointe, and we many times. I mean, we. I don't know. I mean, I mean. This, I could sometimes uh, I haven't I wasn't speaking to him for maybe 10 days and he called me suddenly and it's like uh, the day before we spoke together you know I mean yeah it was it was special yeah. and uh, suddenly uh, I had an idea to to produce uh, the, the first uh, hockey video with Pierre Ladouceur from La Presse uh, on that video he was teaching the kids how to play hockey and all the techniques and uh, and uh, uh, if I can, if I can, Pierre Ladussard, by the way, was a great journalist. Yes, he, he was. Oh, yeah, he was. Good. And it's because he's got a voice problem and he, yeah. he's not on TV anymore. He was a baseball analyst. I think he was one of the first. He had the report card. Yeah. Hey, they not yeah. so this or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It was very yeah. good. Very, exactly. very good. I used to and read his specialist stuff. in hockey, specialist in baseball. Also. Yeah. And Pierre's a good friend of mine. And uh, so I said, Pierre, I mean, do you want to be part of the video? So we started the idea and. And he was pleased with that. That was in '85, and he took his uh, his first retirement when Cody uh, and I mean exactly what you said. And uh, in 1985, I had this idea, and uh, I said, "Gee, I said I got an idea. There's no hockey video on the market." And after that, it's funny because after we did uh, our video, Wayne Gretzky came with another video, okay. and uh, uh, Wayne was. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was special. And uh, when we, the first day of production, all the crew, the production crew, we were at the La Cat Glass in Brossard. We start the day, six o'clock in the morning, we started the day and uh, we were filming and the owner of the, uh, the, uh, the rink went down four o'clock in the afternoon, said, Eve, uh, I don't like our secretary wants to talk to you. I said, okay. Went in his office, spoke to her. She said, uh, Eve, uh, Mr. Corey would like to speak to Guy. I said, we're just filming. We, we're on a video production and we got all the crew. I said, ah, it's Mr. Corey. He wants to talk to you. I said, okay. I went downstairs. I said, Guy, well, I want to talk to you. Went upstairs. And after five minutes, he said, Eve, I have to leave because uh, uh, Ronai Corey wants to see me before five o'clock. It was four. So he went at his office. And it lasted about five, 10 minutes. 
he uh, Cody asked his uh, secretary to take all the personal uh, uh, belongings that he had in his uh, in his office and lock the door. So he went there, tried to open the door. The door was locked. He said to Liz, uh, he said to Liz Boudry, he said, "Hey, my lawyer." She said, "Mr. Cory asked me to do that." So it lasted about five, ten minutes. He called me after that from his car. He said, "Eve, it's terrible. I mean, uh, I got no job anymore." <laughs> wow. I will always remember that, Tony. It was terrible, and then it was really. Why, uh, why, why did he? Why did he um, relieve him of his responsibilities? What was it, what was he doing at the time? He was helping with. Yeah, PR, he was. Uh, uh, marketing, yeah, I was doing PR, PR uh, representation, and uh, and you wanted Guy to stay at the office. And he, I mean, when you know a guy like Guy, I mean, he's a public man. Guy is not behind the desk. No, I mean, no. Uh, he, he couldn't do. I mean, uh, do like an another clerk or another. I mean, he's, I mean, he's 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 a uh, he's a he people person. Move, he has to see his public. He has yeah. to shake hands. I mean, he, he was like yeah. that. So, uh, yeah, I understood him at that time. I mean, he's yeah. So uh, I mean, he was for four years. It was uh, it was really a sad period for him. And uh, so at that, that point, one, he's out of a job. Yeah. And and what is he doing in those three and a half years to? Past the time to keep busy. Uh, uh, I, had, uh, get... I, had, I was on working on many projects, and uh, when, even at that time, we used to go to, to see different companies to be sponsors. And you know what, Tony? As much as he had everybody around him when he was the superstar years before, I mean, after that, because Ronald Curry had corporate connections, after that, it was really tough for us to sell project to companies wow it wow. was uh that's the truth i was there wow so that's it and after that after when the comeback happened i mean uh whoop so so talk to me about everybody was back again <laughs> so, so talk to me about this comeback how did it all come about uh in 1988 when uh i don't remember was it that the in spring, hey, eh? when, when Wayne Gretzky signed with Los Angeles with the Kings, uh, was it in June? June, I think. Yeah, I think it was in the summer. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly, I saw that that he was leaving for Los Angeles, and uh, so a week after, I was I was shaving in the morning. I don't know, you know, in business when you you talk about visualization, visualization, it happened to me. I just visualized the Sport Illustrated. The front page with Guy on the right wing, uh, Wayne in the center, and Luc Rabitaille on the left. And remember that at, at that time, hockey wasn't American. I mean, we are, they had teams, but not like today. Today, yeah. I mean, we got American teams, a lot of it. So yeah. I said, it's going to be good for Guy, good for Wayne, good for Luc Rabitaille. They're trying to sell hockey in the States. It's going to wow. be fantastic. Okay. But I said, maybe it's a crazy idea. I'm a real marketing man. So I said, the, and I knew that Guy, during four years when I was with Guy and we were doing promotions, all the fans, most of the fans were coming to Guy and said, hey, Guy, you should, you should have retired. You should be playing again. And Plus, I forget, Tony, that in May, there was the playoff. Uh, uh, Edmonton was playing. And a night, uh, a certain afternoon in May, Guy said, hey, there's a game tonight. Come at my condo. And we, uh, Mark was 
was young, was two years, two years old, I think, said, we're going to be with my kids. And, uh, we, and suddenly after a period and a half, he said, Eve, don't try to make me believe that I can't play with those guys anymore. It stayed there for me. I didn't say a word. And during those four years, well, uh, when the, the, the fans, I'm going back to my idea, uh, with the fans, when they, they were saying, hey, Guy, you should be back. And uh, no, 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 no. I mean, I'm retired. But I, you know what? It's like your brother. You know what he's thinking. I, he's trying to convince himself. That of course. Shit, you know? So when this idea came to me for the Sports Illustrated front page, I said, Eve, relax. <laughs> Think for a while. So I took four or five days. And uh, I came at my office in the morning. I told my secretary, I said, I don't want to. It was nine o'clock in the morning. I said, I, I mean, uh, I, don't give me any phone calls till noon because I'm busy. So I phoned, I phoned Rogi Vachon in Los Angeles. He was the, the GM. I said, Rogi, said, uh, I'm representing uh, Guy Lafleur. He's coming back. But Guy didn't know at that time, Tony. Okay, because during those four days, we had a session at Denis Brothers' place for a, picture, a photogra photography uh, session and for a promotion. And I think we went for dinner and yeah. for lunch. I mean, and, and I didn't say a word because I knew Guy. And I said, I'm better to make the move and I'll see after so I phoned I I, I phoned Rogi and I said, Rogi said, Eve, are you sure he can play? I said, Rogi, he's been retired for four years, he's six pounds underweight. You should see him play with the, 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 the legend. He said, Okay, I'll call you back at the end of the day. So uh, uh, I said, Well, <laughs> better to talk to Guy because uh, so I phoned Guy and Lee's uh, his wife uh, and is in Montreal and I said, uh, hi Flower, how are you? I said Fine, you said good. Said uh, he said, are you going uh, coming in Montreal? I said no, no, no. I said you want to make a comeback. I said what? I said you want to make a comeback? I spoke. I just called uh, Rogi Vashon, and he's gone to call me at the end of the day. I said are you crazy? Give me ten minutes, I'll call you back. So he called me back after ten minutes. Said I just spoke with uh, my wife, Lise. Eve, I needed that. Okay, it's a go. We we'll go Saturday night for dinner together, and we'll, we'll you you're gonna call five teams. This is the way it started. So on my Rogi Vachon never called me. I never called me back. I stayed in my office till nine o'clock at night, six o'clock. Wow. He never called me back, but he spoke to a newspaper man, so a journalist. So uh, on Monday morning, I I called it. I called uh, uh, because I was covering the junior when I was paying my studies. Like I told you, as a journalist, I I called in New York. I spoke to Bergie, and I I said to Bergie, I said. Uh, he said, hey, Eve, you're in town in New York. Come and play golf. And I'm not in town. I'm in Quebec. I said, I said you want to sign flower? I said, what? Let me have a coffee. I don't believe what you're telling me. So I explained the same thing as I did with Rogi. Rog yeah. said, Eve, can you have Guy in your office in, in an hour? I said, no problem. Call Guy. Finally, an hour after, or an hour and a half, I was, uh, uh, Guy was in the office. We made a, a, a conference with Guy, myself, and Michelle. And he said, hey, guys, uh, don't talk to anybody. We'll meet at the hotel in front of the, the Madison Square Garden because I don't want anybody, not even the, uh, the employees, to see his face on Thursday. Four days after, we went there. We spent the, we spent the whole day there. Bergie brought us in Rye when the, where the, the, the New York Rangers were training themselves. And uh, I will always remember that, Tony. In uh, Phil's office, 
Phil Esposito, of course, yeah. yes, the general manager. Exactly, sorry. And uh, at the end of the meeting, he looked at Guy in the eyes and he said, uh, by the way, the training camp was organized what, by Bergie this, this year in three reverse. So yeah. timing. Yeah. Tony said to Guy, I'm inviting you to the training camp, but as a junior, I'm not signing you any contract. He said, Guy, because when I called, when I spoke to Michel and Bergie before this yeah. with Guy, Michel, uh, to, uh, Phil told, to, told me, he said, hey, you're bringing me a hell of a problem. I said, what? How am I going to treat an NHL superstar after four years of retirement? Yeah. So after the meeting in the office, at the end of the office, he said, you're going to be treated as a junior. You're going to be in shape. So he stand up, Phil stand up, and in front of me, the, in Bergie, they shook hands. And he said, he said to, to Phil, I'll be ready. Wow. Uh, we came back by by uh, by plane at the same night. And when we came back, I called George Cherry, who was training uh, the, the Hilton at that time in boxing. I said, uh, I said, uh, I knew George. I knew since I was a kid, I knew uh, George. I said, George, he, it's confidential. Uh, Flowers coming back. Do you want to train him? We got three weeks. I said, Dave, no problem. I called Jean Cloutier, who had the uh, hockey summer team with the the uh, the pros, in the, and I said, Jean. I told him the same thing. He said, no problem. So he started six o'clock in the morning. Every morning we had breakfast. Eight o'clock he was starting box, boxing, uh, training. And uh, like Rocky, I got pictures of that, Tony. You couldn't imagine films and everything. And uh, uh, in the afternoon. Oh, I'd, love, I'd love to see that one day. Go ahead. Yeah, I'd love to see that's that. fantastic. I mean, I was, and I got pictures. So not nice video with that. With him. And yeah, and in, in, in the afternoon he was training on, on the ice in, uh, in private with uh, the uh some uh, semi pros and pros in in laval yeah so this is the way it started sure and, uh, in a year to... after his comeback yeah. uh the victor awards uh, administration in los angeles and las vegas called me and said mr trombley can you come here with gila fleur he won the 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 uh the trophy of the the the, the uh, uh for, for the uh the victor award for the uh how did you call that the um come back yes the biggest comeback of the uh sport comeback of the year wow the greatest comeback so uh, that's amazing we had fun yeah, that's that's we had, we, he, he, he was good. so happy you couldn't imagine he had a good season in uh the rain with the rangers he averaged 0.67 points per game how much did he like it there 28 goals i think eh? he loved it there oh i mean hey tony you're gonna have goosebumps first game i brought with me 11 friends from here Brought him there. We got the tickets. We, st I mean, I got goosebumps when I'm telling you. We were standing in the, uh, in, the in the, we were in the uh, the arena. I mean, you know the way they, it is, New York, eh? The big American show. Yeah. Lights went. I mean, it was dark. The lights. I mean, the, yeah. the lighters of the people where the fans were there. They put a, I mean, a, a nice uh, number ten on the ice, just like yesterday. Yeah. And on the on the board, it it was flashing. Flower, flower, gee, gee, gee. When he jumped on the ice, I mean, it was, it was like Montreal. Yeah. Gee, 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 gee. I mean, I mean, it was magic, Tony. It was magic. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. No more. No wonder why. I mean, everybody is. Uh, yeah. It's. Yeah, I understand, Eve. I understand. Look, uh, look what I have here. I've had Gee with me ever since. Look. Oh boy. I'm sorry, eh, Tony? That's okay. Look. Great. This candle is burning here. Wow. And I've had that, yeah. 
ever since that happened. Uh, it's a sick podcast. Well, it, was, it was a special human being. I can tell you that. Unbelievable. I told my Un kids yesterday, we were crying in front of the TV. Yeah. And I said, you will never see that again. So I introduced you to Sammy, uh, who works yeah. behind the scenes uh, from Sick Media. This is his project. Sammy was um, diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy at nine months old. Um, his parents were told that Sammy wasn't going to make it uh, by the age of two. Uh, today, he's 21. Uh, he went yeah. to John Abbott College, business administration, sports marketing. He's a social media genius. He's a big, big sports fan. Uh, he's got a huge social media following. He does work with athletes. And um, Guy met Sammy uh, a couple of months ago uh, because um, uh, Donnie Cape set it up, and they met in uh, an establishment on the West Island uh, at Rockaberries over Pie. And, uh, and uh, the place was closed. It was open just for them. And uh, Donnie said to Guy, he said, uh, look at this young boy. They told him that he was going to be dead by the age of two. They told the family he's 21 years old and he's doing better than ever. And uh, it gave Guy some, some courage and some will to fight a little bit more. But Guy spent over an hour with Sammy and his family talking. And even though you can tell he was suffering, he did it anyway. I've, I... Uh, I never wow. met any. I've never wow. met anyone like Gila Fleur ever, ever. Wow, Sammy! Wow, there'll never be another Gila Fleur. And I want to say, you know, shop uh, for all your sports licensed sports apparel, including hoodies, caps, and T-shirts. Your favorite teams, uh, major leagues, and I bring it up because if you want, you can pick up a Canadiens jersey or a Quebec Nordiques jersey or a Rangers jersey. And uh, why not put Lafleur in the back of it as well? Our sick merchandise at sportsbuffshop.com. Uh, use code SICK15 for 15% off on all their items. I'm wearing GOAT today because for me, Yves Tremblay, Guy Lafleur was the GOAT. There were players that had more goals than him. There were players that had more assists than him. There were players that had more points than him. But for me, Guy Lafleur was the greatest of all time, even though... I know he wasn't. For me, he was. And I'm sure for you, he was as well. Tony, you're so right. You know what? Uh, I had an interview uh, to do with RDS. And uh, the guy asked me, he said, uh, what is the, what are the nicest goals that he scored? Or I said, the nicest goal he scored was off the ice. Amazing. I said, this guy was so human. What did you see him? I remember, him? I remember like the story you said, for, you, you yeah. just uh, said for, for, from, for uh, Sammy. I remember that uh, on a December 23rd, Guy phoned me and, uh, for Christmas. And uh, he said, uh, I said, why are you doing the night of uh, New Year's, uh, the, the uh, Christmas Eve? He said, Eve, tomorrow on the 24th. Uh, I'm going to see, I receive a phone call. I have to go and see a gentleman in his uh, living room. He's going to die in a, in a week. And I'm going to go and see him at his place. Wow. That was on the 24th of December, Tony. It was always like that. It was always like that. It's not, I mean, 
Have you, if you got three months, I got, I can tell you three months of stories if you want, you know? So I'm not surprised what he did with Sammy. And I'm so happy yeah. that you're telling me this today. That's yeah. another story I will tell to other people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know I've, I've said this story before, but I, I, I picked up his Jersey, uh, during the holidays at Christmas time and, uh, I put it out there on social media and it got to Guy's attention and, he told Donnie, he said, uh, get me that jersey, that Tony guy. He, he deserves to have that uh, jersey signed, Taberslak. <laughs> so uh, so I delivered it to Donnie, and then a week later, I went to pick it up, and he said, here, Guy's on the phone. And I said, Guy, thank you so much for signing the jersey. And he said, thank you for going out and getting my jersey. I appreciate it. I said, no, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I, I told him not to give up and I wanted to know, uh, let him know how much uh, he means to me and how much he means to everybody and that we all love him. And wow. he promised me that he was going to fight and he fought. He fought. What did you think of um, one or two more things, if we can? Uh, he has his career. 2002, there was a, a beautiful event at Palais de Congrès with about 2,000 VIPs there in attendance. That was honoring Guy Lafleur. Was that it? And, and I, I believe was that your idea? Not only my idea, my idea, but I was a producer of it. Wow! And uh, as a matter of fact, it's on YouTube, by the way. It's absolutely beautiful. Thanks, thanks you very much. And as a matter of fact, yesterday, uh, when they did the celebration for Guy, uh, you heard what Guy was saying in the back. It all came from that night. Why don't we do this? Yeah. For those who didn't watch it, uh, I have a three-minute clip, if you don't mind. Great. Let's, let's play it right now. Okay. Okay, dans le sport, c'est la même chose. C'est important, je crois, d'être motivé, surtout, aimer faire ce que l'on fait, de jouer au hockey. Puis, il faut jamais oublier que jouer au hockey, c'est pas un travail. C'est un jeu. Il faut s'amuser. Puis il faut toujours gagner le plus possible. <rire> Parce que ces gars-là, c'était des boulots de travail. Aujourd'hui encore, le club de hockey canadien veut vous en donner plein la vue. Je sais que c'est pas facile aujourd'hui. On a 30 équipes dans la Ligue nationale. Le talent est très dilué. Les joueurs n'ont plus besoin de motivation, on leur donne 2, 3 millions, 4 millions par année. La motivation d'aller chercher 25, 30, 50 buts par année ne représente peut-être pas la même chose pour eux, parce qu'ils gagneront pas plus cher. Surtout si le gars il signe un contrat de 5, 6 ans, comme qu'on s'en la tête, elle se fait 50 buts par année pendant 6 ans. Mais... Mais le sport, le sport est devenu euh, très, très commercialisé. Puis malheureusement, les clubs essaient de, de satisfaire le public, essaient de ramener la certaine fierté. Puis euh, le fameux flambeau que les joueurs euh, du Canadien ont toujours euh, trouvé que c'était une chose très, très importante de le, de le, de le lever très haut, puis d'essayer de le passer aux nouveaux qui arrivent. Mais c'est pas facile. 
C'est pas facile. Fier de faire, de, de, d'avoir comme équipe le Canadien de Montréal. Je pense que pas juste euh, les joueurs d'époque ou les joueurs euh, d'aujourd'hui qui ont le, 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 le CH tatoué euh, sur le chandail ou au cœur. Il y a un paquet de partisans. Puis les partisans ont toujours eu un rôle important dans ma carrière. Même parfois, je disais, puis j'ai dit que le public passait avant ma famille. Quand je le disais à ce moment-là, c'était vrai, parce que c'était important. Je vais aller prendre un drink au bar ou n'importe où, m'asseoir avec euh, Pierre-Jean-Jacques, ça me faisait plaisir, parce que lui, je savais que c'était un vrai aussi. C'est important d'être comme ça. Aujourd'hui, ce que je trouve, c'est que la majorité de la population a la difficulté à s'identifier aux joueurs, à s'approcher des joueurs. J'espère que ça va changer avec le temps. Let's stop it there if we can. Let's uh, let's stop it there if we can. All right. Uh, translation. Uh, basically, uh, he talked about uh, uh, he talked about how um, you know how much pride they had back then in playing the game, and and uh, the motivation was always there. And they didn't do it for the money, but they did it for the passion and for the love. And he says nowadays players get contracts, five, six, seven-year contracts, and the motivation to go out and score 25, 30, 50 goals isn't what um, um, it used to be because, you know, why uh, why break your head when you have a five-year deal on the table, which is guaranteed money? Um, and then he talked about being, you know, being close to his fans that at one point in his career, he put uh, the public, and even after his career, he put the public ahead of his family. And he said there's not a lot of people that do that anymore, a lot of athletes. And he said it's important because the fan – that pays, you know, to watch your games and that watches you. Those fans are real ones as well. Eve, um, we talked about his family life. It suffered because of that, eh? because he put the public before the family at one point. And I think he said down the stretch, he realized how important his family was to him. And he said, it's better late than never. But everyone wanted a piece of Gila Fleur, right? Oh, yeah, he knew that. And his wife knew that also. And he had these two kids and... uh uh, he was traveling a lot. I mean, uh, I mean, he, I mean, even after the practices, I mean, uh, he was so in demand that uh, I mean, uh, he was owned by the public. He was owned by the public. Yeah. And he was when you know his mother and the, the, where where he comes from. I mean, I mean, uh, I, I don't know if it's. I think it's a matter of being uh, generous and human. I mean, yeah. he was really, really generous. I mean. Uh, uh, time was, I mean, time wasn't an, uh, I mean, it's time. I mean, the, I mean, he, he belonged to the, to his public in his mind. Yeah. Yeah. When he, well, listen, when he had the restaurant, when he said, Oh yeah. He tried to be there as much as he could. And the thing that he hated the most about the restaurant business is that he wasn't able to be there all the time. And if he wasn't, that really hurt him. Because oh, yeah. he loved to be there, and sometimes he would, uh, you know. Anyway, he would. It was a uh, wow. Uh, they were not coming there to eat. People were, were coming there to hey, eat. Gee, you know. Of course, of course. Um, a shout out to MatrixHomeFitness.ca where uh, Guy got on that treadmill uh, back in 1988, and made a comeback with uh, the Rangers, and in the gym doing some boxing. Bring it <laughs> home, discover a club quality workout in the comfort of your own home, and visit MatrixHomeFitness.ca. 
even ending, I'm, I'm sure you watched the tribute last night. Were you at the Bell Center or did you watch it on TV? No, I watched it on TV. I wasn't able to go there. Yeah, me neither. A lot of people said to me, you, you weren't there. And I said, I didn't have the strength to go. I really didn't. That's it. And the, you know what? I'm just thinking of the funerals next week. And I, I really don't like that. I have to, 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 to be prepared for that, you know? Yeah. It's going to be uh, special funerals. I went to Jean's funeral when he died. Yeah. But you know what? As I tell everybody, Jean and Maurice uh, died. They were 82, 84. Guy was 70, Tony. He touched three generations. Too young. Our granddads, our dads, and our kids. Fudge. 70 years old. Yeah. That's too young. And you know what? This was the worst part of it. It's not in the nature of the things that the kids died before the parents and his mother yeah. is still alive at 19 years old how old is she 90 90 yeah yeah uh he and she still uh he he um when he played like he really wanted to make his parents proud eh? like i mean all kids do but him his especially the relationship that he had with his father too is yeah. he the really wanted to play well for him eh? tony the show that i produced had just showed it on the screen i mean i remember when we showed his dad's face uh, a close plan of his face i mean you see the you saw the uh he's crying there i mean it, it was a uh, his father died at 62. Wow. He Too was young. with us at the Hall of Fame uh, introduction when we were there. Yeah. And uh, the same year that he came back. Yeah, because he was inducted in, uh, in, in uh, that's it, in 1988, in September. And he yeah. was coming back with the Rangers in, in fall. Yeah. Uh, Eve, you and I have never met. I feel like I've known you forever. Me too. Me which too. Is, which is very fitting. And I'll tell you why. Because if anyone ever met Guy Lafleur, you would feel like you've known him for a million years. And so I'm happy that it felt this way between us today, uh, knowing the love that we both had in our respective ways for Guy Lafleur. We lost a good man. Hey, thanks for inviting me. It's Merci a, beaucoup. It's a pleasure for me. Thank you. It's a sick podcast. Tell your friends about it. Follow us on all social media channels. Whether it's Facebook, whether it's Instagram or Twitter at The Sick Podcast, and subscribe to our YouTube channel for Gila Fleur, the GOAT. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by 8.6, Intense by Nature, and Lakage. If the last time you went to Lakage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lakage. The menu will surprise you. <laughs>